what is there to say other than what for the last five months? I had an episode more or less written to come out Wednesday, but recent events have just completely refocused my mental priorities. Look, this is a team effort, this whole society experiment. Regardless of how we choose to be right now, the new normal needs to be pretty good. I mean, we can't screw this up because if you think riots and looting is bad, I mean, what else do you expect if change isn't made? And I am not condoning, you know, rioting, looting, things like that personally. But you have to ask, what do you expect if proper change doesn't occur? Last time I digressed about the importance of truly listening to the point of prioritizing them over you. We've all been listened to like that at some point, too, haven't we? We spoke and they listened, really listened. Eyes fixed, body positioned, mouth deactivated. While they're speaking, the ability to give someone the sacred gift of our time and energy becomes the gateway to building trust in a relationship. I quit Facebook somewhat recently, had to go on there the other day to do something podcast related and couldn't help but notice a few posts. Let me tell you something, guys. It is just vicious on Facebook. What is going on there, dudes? You know who you are, too, if you're involved in this hateful stuff. I didn't stay long, but my heavens, how we have made such weapons out of our words. He brought me down. He brought me way down. And I started watching uh, Tabitha Brown because she's like a big hug when you need it the most. She's got a video where she says we need to take care and notice what we are quick to do. You know, this is a world where we're often quick to judge, for example. So can we grow to a society of people quick to love, quick to learn, to listen, to encourage? These are choices we make. Nothing is hardwired except for our unique ability to rewire and restructure ourselves. Cultural change, structural change. It all starts with personal and interpersonal growth. I've been reading Jane Goodall's book, Reason for Hope, and the timing couldn't have been more useful. We need to look harder at how we learn and how we grow. How do we integrate ourselves into the greater world around us? And there's the obvious question, of course, what exactly does managing your intuition have to do with building a sustainable society or building a community? Well, let's begin, I'd say, with this month's episode 11, How Observation Compels Cultural Change.
So welcome back to the Sustainable Culture Podcast. My name is Jet. It's good to have you back with me here. And uh, before we get started, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the book club that actually got started on this podcast. Uh, my co-host for the book club, her name is Bree, um, and I are going over this book right here, Reason for Hope by Jane Goodall. If you want to join and read with us, all you need to do is get a hold of the book. You can get it for just a few bucks online, or you can get it on Audacity. Not on Audacity. Um, um. Audible. Audible. Sorry. Um, you can get it on Audible, or you can get it for a few bucks online. And yeah, if you'd like to join with us, um, send in a little recording of what you think about the book, if you'd like, by the 10th of June. Um, otherwise, we'll be kind of uh, displaying our thoughts on it and going over the book on June 17th. So uh, you can join in then as well. So, so that's what I've been reading lately. I hope you guys are enjoying some books out there as well. Now, as far as everything that's going on, my goodness, I hope everyone is being safe. I hope everyone is just staying as aware and conscious of your surroundings as possible. If you are out there protesting and everything like that, I hope that you are, you know, doing what you can to just stay safe. Bring a buddy, take some friends with you. Remember to take an extra battery pack if you've got one, take some water, take some snacks, you know, uh, make sure that you have your mask if you need your mask. Um, just take care of yourselves, folks. If you're going to make these decisions, make sure that you are taking care of yourself and uh, and those around you as well. If you're going to you know, present a positive message, make sure that uh, you are exuding positivity when possible. So um, anyway, so we have been talking a bunch about uh, things like listening and developing ourselves. And, you know, our last episode was about listening. So first off, I just kind of want to readdress that a little bit. We talked about listening last time. It's so important to really listen to people, as we've mentioned a bunch of times. Well, I'm sure we'll mention a lot of different times. But um, in order to focus on something like listening, where it's a challenge, where we want to get better at something like that, we have to assume that we've already learned this ability to self-observe and really look inside ourselves. And that takes intuition to actually do. So we've already learned at this first part of the episode here that we must be aware and conscious of ourselves and our behavior and our thought process at all times. You know, this is something that takes constant effort and focus, especially when you don't typically do this, um, to actually carry out. You really have to focus on, let's say, for example, you're talking to people at work, really thinking about the way that you're speaking to them. How does my body language affect, you know, what I'm actually talking about? Was the inflection in my voice, is that conveying, you know, pleasantness or rudeness or something like that? These are things that you really have to look at all the time when you are trying to better your interpersonal communication. And it's a lot of work. I mean, you think you behave a certain way, but without knowing, you know, how you behave, and this is conveyed to you either by seeing yourself on film, hearing yourself, like a recording of yourself, or just by hearsay, people actually telling you observations and things like that, telling you, you know, you were kind of rude that day and you said, 
I don't, I don't think I was very rude. You don't know this stuff until people actually communicate it to you. So we're talking about how observation, you know, is involved in change that happens in a culture. And as what we know about cultural change is that it can be slow. It can be a slower process because we're talking about change from the ground up, from the inside out. So this can take a while, but it starts with us anyway, is what we mean to say. You know, we've already learned that we have to be aware of ourselves and our behavior. So since that is taking so much time, when we are, you know, being diligent about this, that takes a lot of energy away from focusing really hard on what other people are doing and what other people are focusing on. We find that we have very little time to judge others as much. Um, we have very little time to really worry about, you know, what it is that other people are getting into and, you know, how their day, how their actions are going to affect your day. Unless it blows up in your face, it kind of becomes kind of hard to notice when you're focusing really hard on yourself. All of a sudden, you know, how you treat yourself and how you talk to yourself and things like that starts to become much more of a spotlighted issue that that starts to become much more important. So, you know, what kind of things do you notice about yourself when you make the effort to look inside? This is something that I noticed that was really crazy when I first started really making the effort to touch base with my intuitive side and really focus on different thoughts that I had uh, towards myself. You know how you have their inner, some, I guess some people don't have it is that inner dialogue. I learned that some people don't have an inner dialogue. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I would do, I guess. Cause if I'm, I'm one of those people that like, if I'm by myself, I will literally talk to myself. I don't know if you guys do that. I definitely have to get, I have to get stuff out. I'm very just I don't know, verbal. I'm also very auditory. So I have to hear myself as well. It's some people probably relate to that and probably are laughing right now that they know what I'm talking about. I talk to myself too. But um, if you don't understand that, I probably just sound like a crazy person to you. But um, anyway, what are some things you notice about yourself when you make the effort to really peer inside? What kind of thoughts do you have? What is your inner dialogue like? Are there things about yourself that your inner self, your inner voice is telling you that you could improve? And, you know, if it's easy enough, and generally it is, to, you know, pursue those better behaviors, all of a sudden, I mean, when you're very focused on you, this is how observation begins to change a culture. Other people start to see this person working on themselves and really just perfected the art of being themselves. And when you see someone who carries themselves well and who is really successful, you want a piece of that, right? You want to know what it is that they're putting in their coffee every day because you want a piece of that. You want to know what you have to do to become a better version of yourself as well. And so for starters, when we are improving ourselves, other people see this. You know, they're going to notice that something has been done to enhance your life. And when you start to enhance your life, all of a sudden other people around you start to enhance their lives. And that kind of change is truly exponential. 
um, when that kind of thing happens, it affects one other person, which affects like 10 other people, which affects 50 other people. That's an important first step. When we realize that the first step of observation is observing ourselves and our own behaviors, that's an amazing foundation that is laid for everything that comes afterwards. So we understand the importance here of observing ourselves. The more we observe ourselves, the more we enhance ourselves. And the more we enhance ourselves, the more other people start to observe our behavior. This is how, this is the first essential step in understanding how observation really starts to affect real cultural change. It depends on us first. We have to observe ourselves first. Only by doing that are we compelled then to really perfect ourselves. And only through perfecting ourselves will other people see us and really start to apply those changes to their own lives, thereby exponentially, you know, causing cultural change. We are moving on here to observing each other now. Observing each other is where our intuitive and rational sides begin to dance. You know, our rationality helps us figure out what's happening and why. It helps us come to a conclusion to, you know, make sense of something. We believe something for reasons A, B, and C. That's rationality. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the, the more two plus two equals four kind of side of your brain. That makes sense. Very logical. Now, intuition is something, you know, without really needing reason at all. Um, you know something so well that it goes beyond conscious thought. It's usually subconsciousness taking over because your inner insight already knows what's up. It's almost instinctive. That is intuition. Intuition is this knee-jerk thing. You know, you just know. That's the main difference anyway between rationality, intuition. Intuition is kind of this sense. It's a feeling. You know it to be true in your bones, you know, and a lot of times you know it quicker than you can even think about it. Whereas rationality, that is thought. Rational is, it's rational thought. It is logic-based things. So when you when we're observing someone, you know, when we see other people and we're taking a look at what's going on with them or whatever it is, our intuitive sides and our rational sides begin to just go back and forth. Intuitively, we might think that someone might behave a certain way, um, maybe because they what they're wearing might remind us of something that we own or maybe something, maybe they look a lot like a friend of ours or something like that. So intuitively, we might think that we might be able to trust this person based on this reason or that reason. But rationale is there most predominantly, I think, most of the time. And we are in that moment, we're trying to figure out exactly, you know, we're going back to, and this is part intuition, part rationality. We're trying to look and see, is this someone I can trust? You know, uh, what's going on with this person? We're looking at what they're wearing. We're looking at, you know, whatever. We're looking at all kinds of different things. And our brain, our rational side is starting to come up with all of these conclusions based on A, B, or C. It's just interesting because... You know, we 
do this with other people and we develop this view on who someone might be based on what we know about other people. If you think about that, it's kind of interesting. I, I don't think it, I mean, it makes some sense on a basic survival instinctual thing where we see other people and we go, you know, based on prior experience, based on prior, you know, observations, I'm going to develop this opinion about this person. But the thing is, we've never met that person. So we don't actually know. I mean, we, we assume maybe we've gone to the point of assumptions, but our brain is telling us, remember all this other stuff that reminds you of this person or this thing? It's probably that way. Or let's be prepared just in case it's that way. If you think about it, that's fine from a survival perspective, from an instinctual perspective, but it's not really fair <laughs> to the person that you're looking at. You've never met them. You don't know anything about them. Um, you know, you might see someone who might intimidate you uh, physically or just maybe they look intimidating to your standards. And because you perceive something as, you know, scary or intimidating, you are putting a persona on someone that you don't know. And so observing each other is where we start to develop opinions on each other before we've even met, um, before we've even talked to one another. And so how we see each other is affected when based on how we kind of approach our observation. Are we being purposeful about how we approach observing people? Are we being purposeful about what we're thinking when we observe people? So the reason I kind of bring all this up is because I want to just bring up the point that when we're looking at people, when we're observing, when we're learning about them, when we're people watching, whatever it is, you know, what's our intent there? It's important to just kind of approach this type of thing. And when you think the best of people, when you're observing them, the interesting thing is when you force yourself to think about it in that way, multiple times, you start to just generally think the best in people. So you start to observe people in a positive light and just assume that they're a good person, that they mean well or whatever. And it's interesting how that changes your opinion um, of someone that you've never met before or maybe that you will still never meet. But I just wanted to point that out because when we're observing each other and we're letting our intuitive and our rational sides really go at it to develop some opinion on this person, approaching that observation in a way that says, what does this person have that really benefits the community here? What makes this person shine? It's fun to look at things in that light. It really is. Because you start to notice what you really like about people. You start to really smile. <laughs> I've noticed I've started to smile at people and I've had to, you know, they'll look over at me and I'll kind of have to hide my face a little bit so I don't look like some kind of creep uh, just smiling at them. But when you, when you people watch and you start to think just good things about people instead of what's up with that stupid vest that guy's wearing or whatever it is, it's really wonderful um, what ends up happening. Observation is key 
to determining what's around you and everything like that, but really focusing on the right things when you're observing someone. It's incredibly powerful. The next thing I want to bring up is something that was inspired by Jane Goodall. This is straight from her book. I want to read you a passage from her book, and we're just going to kind of expand on this. Um, I was, I'm talking about observations and how this really affects our culture and how expressing opinions based on observations can really change things. And uh, we, we are seeing it in real time right now um, where people are sharing a number of different opinions based on how they observe things on their subjective realities. And we're seeing all kinds of different solutions that uh, might work, might not work, you know, all these different things are coming out of the woodwork here. And we're spending a lot of time expressing our own opinions, but not as much time taking them in. And so it's that's been really heavy on my mind lately. And so I've been reading this book and I come up with this, uh, with this, you know, piece of a paragraph here. She says, it is all but impossible to describe the new awareness that comes when words are abandoned. One is transported back perhaps to the world of early childhood when everything is fresh and so much of it is wonderful. Words can enhance experience, but they also take so much away. We take an insect and at once we abstract certain characteristics and classify it, a fly. And in that very cognitive exercise, part of the wonder is gone. Once we have labeled the things around us, we do not bother to look at them so carefully. Words are part of our rational selves, and to abandon them for a while is to give freer rein to our intuitive selves. I love that quote. So, you know, just that idea of how when we speak something, we've labeled it. And so it kind of takes this joy of discovery out of the equation. I've never thought of anything like that, but it is really interesting when you look at society and how we're so quick to, you know, label something. We look at something, we observe it. Our rational mind takes over from our intuitive mind and it just defines something as what we've told ourselves is the way that it is. That means truth to us, even though it really is just opinion. We state it as such and there's nothing else to discover. So with this good all mentality here, we've eliminated the desire to learn more about one another in that way. So, you know, she talks about seeing something, we, we abstract certain characteristics and classify it right away. So we see someone, we take certain characteristics from them and we classify them right away under this logic. And that is what we do. And the way she puts it is part of the wonder is gone. So part of the wonder of this human being that we are observing, part of this person's story, a huge part of this person's story, all of their story really, goes unheard and unobserved because when we observe someone to the point of rational mind just saying, I know what this person is, who this person is, enough to classify them into a neat little box, when we do that, we kind of take the opportunity of their enhancing our lives in any sort of way. We take that out of the picture altogether. Now, I'm not very good at 
meeting new people and things like that. I'm not saying that you have to be the most jovial person in town to have a decent life, but I, I do just appreciate this thought of words labeling things. And then all of a sudden mentally, it's like subconsciously, we just dwindle this desire to learn more about something just because we've named it. Now, obviously that doesn't happen all the time, but, and with everything, there's some things that we know the names of dolphins. I love dolphins. I know the names of a dolphin and I will totally go and look at dolphins all day long. I'm still interested in dolphins because I know they're dolphins. This is more of just being kind of generic. When we observe people, let's be careful to not let our words and our opinions about these things blind our ability and shut off our ability to learn more about these things. Let's just be cautious as a people to identify things as needed, but not let that be a slippery slope to just never learning anything about anyone. I think that's kind of what she's trying to convey here is how, you know, our rational selves speaking about things and classifying them and things like that are always going to be working, but our intuitive selves, the side of us that is activated when we don't speak and we just listen, our intuitive selves are there to really focus on the subconscious things, the things that we look past when we're trying to um, observe what really makes someone the way that they are and what really makes a thing work the way that that thing works. Intuition is so important. And when we lose ourselves the opportunity to be intuitive, we also lose very important things like empathy and things like that. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we're going to dip into some knowledge from Joe Dispenza and what he has to say about knowledge and experience. We're going to get into that when we come back. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sustainable Culture Podcast. I'm Jet, and we are talking about how observation affects cultural change, how it really spurs this from uh, this into existence. And earlier, we were talking a little bit about where the observation kind of begins, and we were talking a little bit, it kind of mirrors um, previous conversations that we've had. Um, where, you know, in order to change our environments, we have to first change ourselves. Similarly, this starts with observing ourselves. By first observing ourselves, other people then uh, start to notice the improvements that kind of come uh, in our lives when we start to notice the things that we need to improve within ourselves. So by observing ourselves, we, we enhance ourselves and other people notice that. And that then starts to, you know, make positive changes. That's kind of where we began. 
Um, and the last thing we kind of left on is when Jane Goodall was speaking about how it impacts our intuition, our intuitive minds, when we allow ourselves to stop speaking and to exclusively listen. Now, that's something that is a, another level altogether. Think about this, by the way. Have you, who, whoever's listening, have you tried going one day without speaking? Some of you might have gone to those meditation retreats. I know some people go to those. I've never gone to one. I've always wanted to try it, but I've never gone an entire day without speaking. I went half a day without speaking before this episode to really give it a shot. And even just the half a day was a challenge for me. Of course, I like to talk, but um, it was really interesting how it was almost like my body completely focused every bit of sensory input to my ears. You know, I told myself, I'm not talking, it's not going to happen. So something happened within me where my brain said, okay, well, we're just going to invest more into listening then. And I just heard things that I would never normally hear. I could, I, I went to a restaurant is one of the things I did and just listened to everything around me. It was a trip how I could, I could hear everything in the entire store. I could hear the entire place, conversations people were having. I could make out people's body language based on the inflection in their voice. I don't know how else to explain that. Like my back would be turned to them and I would hear people to the point of that detail just by focusing really hard on listening. So it's really interesting. I, I bet that it would change your entire perspective. There's people who have written books on it um, who've done it for, you know, a year <laughs> or longer. Um, really interesting stuff. So that's a really, really big thing that changes our observations. And uh, that was talked about before the break there. So now what we're getting into, I've mentioned Joe Dispenza on the show before. Joe Dispenza is a scientist who uh, is involved in all kinds of really, really interesting things. If you haven't heard of Joe Dispenza, check out his work. Um, he, is, he gets into quantum theory. He gets into metaphysics. He gets into neuroscience. And what he does is essentially he talks a lot about managing our mental selves and really taking control of mental growth and everything by understanding our spiritual selves. And all of the stuff that he talks about is quantifiable and, um, and measured, and he can show you evidence about every single thing he talks about. Really fascinating stuff because he'll tell you brain science behind these things that he's talking, talking about. So Joe Dispenza talks about a lot of things, but he has a saying and he says, knowledge is the precursor to experience. And what he's saying there is what you think you know about something is what will affect your entire experience with that thing. In other words, it will affect your entire relationship with whoever that is. If you hate Chevy trucks from square one, you're going to hate having a Chevy truck because you've convinced yourself that Chevy trucks are terrible. Um, knowledge is the precursor to experience. If you loved Chevy trucks from the get-go, then you'd be on cloud nine by getting a brand new Chevy truck. It, it works exactly the same way uh, with people. So that's what Joe Dispenza always says. And some other sort of knowledge, and this is all paraphrased, he talks about how you know our observations cause us to 
essentially we try to figure things out. So when we're observing things, we try to figure things out. Our brain is working to process and, and what is this? Why is this? So how do we gain knowledge? So we're going to break apart what Joe Dispenza says here. Knowledge is the precursor to experience. How do we gain knowledge? Well, we gain knowledge of something. A lot of times it starts with observation. We might read about something. You might observe something being done, whatever it is. Observations cause us to try and figure things out. Figuring things out is how we imagine possibilities and potential realities. And this is more of what Joe Dispenza was talking about in this interview that I actually was just watching uh, just a bit earlier today. Um, he was talking about how when we try and figure things out, what we're doing is we're developing these potential futures in our head. We're, we're developing these potential realities. Let's say we find, you know, we find something out in the woods. We are developing pictures in our minds about what this might have been used for, things like that. Imagine an archaeologist finding bone parts and they're looking at these things going, this must have been a piece of the upper jaw. They have to imagine in their heads what might have been the case. We do this same thing when we are thinking of things that uh, could potentially positively affect a potential future. So let's say we're thinking, oh man, I want to invest in this new car. I'm going to buy this new car. It's a really sweet four by four. And that means that I'm going to be able to go camping and go to all these cool places. We are developing in our heads a potential future, a future that doesn't exist yet, but that we know will exist. So we're already starting to prepare our bodies for this excitement, this I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go in this car and I'm ready to create this reality. So this means to say that through observations, we gain knowledge of whatever that thing is. Through the knowledge that we gain from that, we create these theoreticals, these thoughts, these potential futures that could involve us based on the knowledge that we've gained. And that knowledge, therefore, affects what we experience and how we experience it. Now, this is a lot. There's a lot going on with this. This means to say in a more concrete sense here, if you want love in a relationship, you have to bring it into the relationship. If you want to see trust build in a relationship, you can't walk into a relationship with no trust. You've got to bring it with you. You have to be trustworthy already and give reasons for that. So if you want to keep love active in a relationship, whether it is in a romantic relationship or if you want a relationship to be loving with a total stranger, you have to present that love when you enter into the relationship. Whether you observed something that you liked or didn't like does not change the fact that you should be loving when you approach this person. Think about this in a neighborly sense. You move into a neighborhood, there's neighbors around you that you don't know. If you do something for your neighbors, they are much more likely then to do something for you. If you make that deposit, that initial deposit, that's your investment in that friendship, in that relationship of whatever kind it ends up happening, happening to be. That initial deposit, I brought this into the relationship 
will enhance that entire experience. And so knowledge being the precursor to experience, as Joe Dispenza says, is just something to keep in mind because when we approach a situation, it is in many ways, because of the way that our brains are programmed, it is what we perceive it to be. And so that is just an important thought to keep around with you. So how does observation create cultural change? Now, first, we have to use our inner selves, aka intuition, as a window into what we know to be our most inherent thoughts and beliefs. Start there. You know, moving away from words and focusing especially on what our own thoughts and feelings are, and then working to adjust those things accordingly. Let your rationale take a back seat for a day. You know, talk as little as possible and see how it changes your observations on your environment. You know, our behavior is born out of observation, monkey see, monkey do. And our behavior creates cultural reality. So if our behavior is going to create the reality that we live within, I mean, our societal behavior, if that creates our reality and we are able to individually perfect our behavior and really make that as good as it can get, you know, the potential positive benefits are just amazing. It really makes me hopeful about humanity. The more that I know that I'm able to enhance my life and how much it's been able to enhance some of those around me just because I've been focusing on that, you know, that's hope for me. That for me is a reason for hope <laughs> to quote her book. And I just look at what's happening right now and it's easy to observe what's happening right now and think things are doomed and, you know, we're never going to recover from this and just negative this, negative that, negative this, negative that. If you approach those observations with that negative mindset, then the only thing that can happen from that is something negative. But if you approach your observational mindset with this positive. I see why things are like this. What can I do? How can I learn more? What do I need to do to love the people around me more? It will change the entire way that you look at what's going on. You see what's happening and you look at the people around you. It'll change how you behave with the people around you. And so we have to just, I've been talking about this stuff a bunch because I'm very passionate about how we approach one another during really heated times like this. We don't have to look at each other with such suspicion or disdain because we're all going through our own stuff. It's all subjective to our own realities because reality is just that it is subjective. And since reality is subjective, we really cannot gain uh, the right strategy to deal with situations like this, complicated situations like this, unless we take the time to learn as much as we can about each other. So 
let's really look at how we observe one another this month. Let's really look at how we take the time or lack thereof to listen to each other uh, this month. And let's really make sure we're staying safe out there and that uh, we are just being the best people that we can be. So kind of a weird episode today. I almost didn't do an episode just because of everything going on. Um, Look, you guys take care of yourselves out there. Um, If you liked what you heard today, I hope that uh, you will subscribe. I'm on YouTube. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Stitcher. I'm on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. Join, subscribe, like, share the video, share the audio. I really appreciate you guys uh, coming and following the Sustainable Culture Podcast. Black Lives Matter. I'm Jet McLaughlin, and I will see you guys next time.